you could hear us, then okay, that's good. So, all right, so guys, for joining us, welcome, welcome to a Thursday edition of Our Revival Influence. I got myself, Florence Susan, schizo trash poet. How are you? How you doing? How am I doing? I am tired. Long day with the kids and school stuff, and I'm I'm exhausted, dude. How about you? Yeah, same thing. Um, I mean, I only have one child. He's four, but um, oh. I work a lot, and uh, my wife works, and then well, she has the same schedule as him, so that's the good thing about it. And the thing with um, with me is um, on my days off, I had to take these module classes because I got promoted at work as op manager, and I had to do all these modules, even though they never enforced it. Now they're making us enforce, you know, they're enforcing it on us, and. That's all I was doing all day. It was just ridiculous. But, well, I'm alive. I'm breathing. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. I got uh, a seven and a four-year-old, and they are – they're a lot sometimes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, my son's a lot, too. I, I mean, I love my son no matter what, but, yeah, he is a lot, though. <laughs> Oh, man. So, all right. So how did poetry start for you? is my first question. Oh man. Uh poetry itself started for me when I was I, mean, I had to be like 9 or 10. Um and yeah, just like Magnus said, congratulations on your promotion by the way. Um so it started when I was like 9 or 10. Um I just was like writing like little things here and there, but it really started when I found uh a stack of papers in like a folder at my parents, uh, like the shared home box Dell computer. And my mom was writing poetry and there was one that she had written about being, like feeling like in her life she was trapped like a bird in a cage. And mm -hmm. I, I fell in love with that poem and it really got me into it. And then I was published when I was like 12 for an Eber and Wine publishing company uh, poetry contest. And I didn't really do anything else with my work outside of like posting it on like DeviantArt and stuff like stuff like that. And it was all like crappy high school shit, you know. And then I found uh, it was when I was uh, right after I had my uh, my first kid, uh, Travis. He was really really little, and I found uh, an open mic in Stroudsburg, and I was like, you know, I'm just starting to put out like my own little collection of poetry. You know, I'd love to like you know go in front of people like my worst nightmare and perform and I I did it I threw up before and after I performed for the first like eight times oh, wow. and it just took off from there wow so talk to me about that that first day that you did the open mic you went up there you say you threw up before and then after the performance like so talk to me about that what was going through your mind the minute you hit that stage the second I hit that stage, uh, keeping in mind at that point in my life, I had been through a lot of uh, a lot of stuff at that point um, in my childhood and before, and I was very insecure. I was very, I had no confidence whatsoever in anything. I knew nothing about performance and poetry, so I got up there and I was just like standing behind my book, my notebook, and just holding it like my hands were just shaking so badly. And I was like trying not to like throw up again because I could smell the vomit on my on my mm -hmm. breath and I was I was so nervous. And thank God everyone in that room was was really 
really kind because it wasn't like a poetry centric mic. It was, you know, local comedians, local artists, you know, you're the random dude shouting a shopping list at people. Like it was the craziest stuff. And I, I just kept thinking like, I shouldn't be here. There's no reason for me to be here. I shouldn't be writing. This is terrible. Now that I'm hearing my words come back to me, I'm, this is crap, you know? And then right after everyone clapped and was really, really nice about it. And uh, I threw up immediately after, like I ran to the bathroom and threw up for like five, 10 minutes. Wow. Wow. And then, um, so even, so after that, like what else, like, so once you left the stage and then, you know, you, you threw up and all that, but what happened after the fact, like did, did, what made you decide to keep going to do that? Like, what was it about that? Was it something in that first time that gave you more confidence or was it something that just happened over time? Was it something like I had second thoughts, but then, you know, what, let me do it again anyway. Like, how, how did that look like for you? Uh, really what it was, uh, my ex wasn't exactly super thrilled about me going out and doing things. And it was more to spite that part of my relationship where I wasn't happy and I was, you know, stuck in the house all the time being a mom. I had nothing else in my life at that point other than I am a stay at home mom and that's it. I'm in charge of cleaning and cooking and that was my entire life at that point. And it was a really toxic situation. And I was just like, you know what? This is pissing him off that I'm getting out, that my mom is watching my son. So I'm going to keep doing it. If even that's the only point that I do. And then I, I ended up meeting a couple of writers and a couple of people that were there. And they were really, really supportive. Like there were a lot of people that weren't, but though that there was a good group of people that were just so kind about everything. So I just kept coming back. And then I found um, Billy Max open mic in Allentown, uh, the no mic open mic. And that's when I met my partner and I met so many incredible talented people there. And I just, I became addicted. It was constantly going after that. And still to this day, I mean, I constantly want to keep going to mics whenever I can. No doubt. No doubt. That's awesome. I love the fact that you were talking about you were in this one surrounding for such a long time and you decided, you know what, I need to get out of this shit. This is fucking crazy. I need to live my life, right? Because I would like to think, yeah, I was hoping I would have a partner that would support me, but obviously that was not the case. And the fact that, you know what, you decided to keep on going, that like you didn't allow yourself to stay in that uh, stereotypical women type situation because um, that's how my parents were like my father was the man and my um mom was the housewife you're supposed to be submissive and and he was he used to get on my sister a lot because he was like oh but you're a mother you shouldn't be doing that and my sister's whole thing was um yeah we, we don't live in those times anymore so you couldn't even talk to my father about that kind of stuff <laughs> but i love the fact that you allowed yourself to slowly get out of that situation and you surrounded yourself with a group of people that understood you, that stood by you and that pretty much lifted you up as much as possible that now you go to open mics all the time. So that is amazing. Um, so um, from my understanding, you also host your own open mics as well, right? Yes, we do. So talk to me about that. Like, how did that start? Like, how did it get from participating in open mics to now you're hosting your own one? So for a while, I was going to an open mic. It was in between, like, was I going to Black and Blue when I was pregnant? Yes. Yes. So I was still, I was pregnant with my, um, my youngest son, Alex, my four-year-old. 
And I was going to this open mic in black and blue uh, over in Easton, which run by um, incredible people. And they're really, really kind. I made lifelong friends there. And one of the problems that a lot of poets were having is that we weren't being heard. And, you know, then shit happened and I ended up, you know, just not going anywhere. And then I found this random ass dude on Facebook named Damian Rucci, who... I ended up going to a show of his in New Jersey before his whole, like, New Jersey poetry renaissance thing, like, really took off. Mm-hmm. And it was at the Chamber Cantos. And after that first show, like, there was only five people in that, in that room, including me, I think. And he gave me my first ever feature for the next show after. And, I mean, I was hooked at wow. that point. I Even five people in that room, I felt more love and connection and more sense of people are actually listening to me and giving me feedback on what I'm saying than I have my entire life with any other mic I'd ever been to. Mm. And it took a while. Like I went to a, oh my God, so many freaking shows. I was uh, featured on a bunch of his shows. Sorry. And I just kept going and going and going and which I hate driving to Jersey. So I'm like white knuckling the entire time. And after him, Cord Moreski, and everyone just, I just sat back and, you know, uh, uh, Andrew Vono, he actually ended up bringing um, an open mic to Emmaus, uh, the 610 Poetry. And I did some work with him for a little bit with that. And then after a while, I was like, you know, I was going to other mics and I was like, you know, I really want to bring something to our section of Allentown and the magazine actually came before the open mic did and we just I sent out this like janky ass email to the people at Nowhere Coffee and I was like hey I'm really awkward could we please use your space please don't yell at me in an email I had to like draft the email like 10 times and they wrote back and they were like let's fucking do this and now they're they're literally a part of our family they're incredible people Wow. And, and how long have you been doing the the publication and the open mics and stuff like that? Like how long is that? All t- so you said the publication happened, uh, the magazine happened first and then the open mics? You yeah. Said? yeah. Yeah. So me and my partner, we were sitting here on the couch the one day and we're, you know, I've been on the literary side of Twitter for a couple of years now and just watching what everyone was doing, watching what Damien was doing and uh, Daryl, uh, Daryl Perry is his last name? Uh, Lynn Alexander, Cleveland Wall, watching all the stuff they were doing for Lehigh Valley poetry stuff. It was, I wanted to bring an actual community together of mostly poets because there wasn't really much of one up here after Billy Mack uh, shut mm-hmm. down. And we were just, we kind of had this, the idea at like the same time. I was like, you know what we should do? And he was like, you know, I've been thinking. And then we just like brain mashed for a couple of minutes and wow. the magazine was born and it's been a year in two or three months with the magazine and it's we're going on our year anniversary wow. open mic uh this uh, october it's gonna be a year wow look at that one year that's amazing that is awesome congratulations on that one thank year. you because that that's important um and everything you're saying i i i understand i get it because um so as far as this platform unraveled influence um i've been through a lot i've been doing this since 2020 um but i've been in the, the instagram community for since 2018 so long story short um i probably rebranded this three times 
in my life since I've been on this community. Um, I struggled a lot with this um, platform, like not having a sense of direction, but not on purpose. Like I had a team, it was known as Jammed Them Down, and then we all had created differences and then we all went away. And then I was doing it by myself and I had this with the podcast and I put that on hold, then it became Incestious Live, then I had another group of people that didn't work out. And it was something like I was in the lines last year. I was telling my wife, like, I'm like, babe, I, I got to do something in my life. I like the poetry, but how can I give back? How could I have a thing, you know, where people can have the voices be heard, right? But then the same way, I wanted to do, because there's so many platforms that exist on here, but what can I do differently that nobody else was doing? And that's when I realized, okay, I should do the interviews. No one else is doing that. And, you know, again, here we are now having this conversation, but this is what I love about what you said, because the voices need to be heard, stories need to be told. And I love that. And I love that you just said what you said. That's to me, that's music to my ears, personally. So I, I thank you for that. Um, so what, so when, when you finally accomplished that, right? What, I mean, obviously it's a good feeling, but can you describe that feeling to me as far as like, what was it that made you like, wow, we actually did it, that accomplishment. Talk to me about that, because that's very interesting. So there were two moments uh, where we really felt like we did something with uh, specifically the magazine, because uh, the, the mic took a little bit of time to kind of get off the ground. And then once it did, I mean, we are packing out almost every single show. But we already knew, like, when we started that it was going to take a little bit. You know, we're brand new. It's in a new area. You know, we, we were just happy that anyone showed up. And even if no one did, we would have had a great time with the people there ourselves. Um, but what really hit it was, so when we first started this magazine, we didn't want our names anywhere on it. I didn't, we were just anonymous doing the magazine for a couple of months with the first issue. You know, because I had already made sort of a name for myself in the New Jersey poetry renaissance. And, you know, mm, other people and shit like that uh so i'd already made a name for myself and i didn't want people submitting only because it was me or my partner you know i wanted people just to see this and then submit their work and then you know the first issue was like a test trial and we ended up getting like a, a lot of people like it wasn't really it was like 14 people i think it was the first time and that was like you know, huge for us. And then we came out and we were like, hey, you know, this has been us all along. And, you know, Tom Bikalis at one point was like, I fucking knew it. Like, I called it. That was like, you didn't know shit. Um, but wow. it was it was surreal for us because I really wanted to prove that outside of just, you know, the people that I knew at the time, that I could do something else and be good at, sorry, be good at it without the influence of my name being attached to it. And the second part of when we really felt accomplished it was that we actually had to change a lot of the magazine because of this moment. Uh, we did a Valentine's Day issue, which was like, you know, love themed, which could have been, we keep our themes very like vague. So it was a magazine for Valentine's Day for love. It could be you love mashed potatoes, you love your partner, uh, a murder poem about love. It could be horror anything that you wanted to do it, it was a huge like vast we it was 80 pages and i print every single poem out cut up each line and paste it with stickers and washi tape and uh, different backgrounds like everything i'm doing i am doing 
by hand. So 80 pages was absolutely unreal because I hate sending rejections because I feel terrible. And for this issue, I had to learn because we had 180 180 something submissions and I couldn't, I, 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 we had to reject some people and it was like breaking my heart every time. Mm. But those were like the two two big moments where I felt like we, we fucking did it. Wow. But then you did that by hand. (laughs) Yo, that was insane. Can you tell me about the whole hand thing? Cause that's crazy. You did this by hand. How long did it take you to do that? (laughs) It took a fuck little long time, dude. So, and there was also like medical issues that cropped up with it um with how long it took that, that one issue but when we first started it i didn't want to just like i wanted to do something different and i like working with my hands i i was that kid just cutting up pieces of paper in my room and pissing off my mom with just scraps of confetti paper everywhere because it was with the adhd it was something to do i hyper focus on it and i love crafting mm-hmm. so i wanted cool. to do something different so i figured why not instead of just copy and pasting it to something i can just print everything out slap stickers on it and like to the point where i was even going through like each line each freaking line has something and then i make sure i match the background to something that has to do with the poem or a specific vintage sticker i think it was tom michaelis's one poem in the very first issue there was a line about uh i wish i could remember off the top of my head but it was about like crickets making music and i remembered in this pile of stickers that i had there was this one little tiny thing of three crickets in a choir and i made sure i pasted that like right by the line like i go through every single anything i can put in there that i can i try to really make it unique and also speaking to what the poem is about to kind of bring everything full circle and most of them I, I try to give myself a month of submissions and a month of like putting everything together and then the issues kept growing and i'm and by the valentine's day issue with so many i got food poisoning i had gotten the stomach bug i got so sick so many times during that time period and my kid was sick so it was like i had to keep pushing back the release date because i was i was just feeling like crap all the time i couldn't stop throwing up and everyone like i didn't get a single email or message being like you know where the fuck is the issue you said this date now it's like a month later we ended up posting at the end of i think april or march but everyone was so kind of like no no you just you just feel better because i kept updating people every time like this is what we're doing you know this is what page i'm on this is who we're doing this page for and i i really try to keep everyone you know aware of everything that we're doing posting pictures of the stupid shit that we're doing you know trying to make sure that they're not like hey where'd you go we're right there with them the whole route bless you baby See, but that's important. I love that, right? Because you're updating, you're letting people know, and the fact that you had that support of people that say, hey, no, you do your thing, take care of yourself, your health matters uh, most. And and I think that's important. I think the reason why I feel like that's important because you were able to build that trust with your audience that supported you from day one and you were able to, because you're you're giving them, hey, look, this is the, the behind the scenes raw and uncut pretty much if you want to say it like that yeah and and i think it, the most important thing about that is the fact that you you kept updating so you built that trust you gave them that lasting relationship that okay and then when 
it was kind of like, okay, now we finally got the issue coming now. It's like, oh, yes, this was worth the wait. Look how fucking awesome <laughs> this was because you did that. So I think that's amazing, honestly, personally. Um, is there one issue of the magazine that you're most proud of out of all the ones you've done? Ooh, that's a hard one. Because e- a lot of them. Each, well, not even just that, each one was special in their own way, and each issue was, I mean, obviously, I have to say that they're my babies, basically, I I made them from scratch, you know, but each issue was a trial period of trying new things, new formats, new, like, we don't let anything go to waste with any of these, any scrap piece of paper, or like scrapbook paper, any, all of it goes towards future issues, I save every single scrap of paper even ones like this small, I save everything because it all has a use later down the line. But each one, I mean, I I don't cut straight lines. I've tried. I, I can't fucking get it. And everyone's like, we don't care about straight lines. I'm like, good, because you're not getting any. Uh, but I think the one that I was like the most proud of had to be the fall issue because obviously spooky bitches unite. Gotta love that. And there were so like. All of them had amazing talent, but this one, it was it was a little bit easier to coordinate everything together. And, you know, I'd, I'd message people, be like, hey, I have this idea for your page. Can I try this? Is that okay with you? Because, like, you know, with your formatting, I don't want to screw it up. And most times they're like, go for it. Unless there's, like, a direct format. They're like, I don't fucking care. Play around with it. Do whatever you want with it. And I always send, like, for those really crazy ones, like, hey. And that one I think I experimented with the- And the winter issue, because they just came out so freaking beautiful. I mean, I, I was I was even like, oh, shit, I did that? Oh, damn. Like, I felt really good about myself for a little bit. Wow. No, that's amazing. And I wanted to ask, um, so you did that, for, so when you did that one, like, just whatever issue you did, right? So when you did that one on the paper... Did you do more than one copy of that paper? Or was that, let's say, the raw paper and then you made copies? Like, how did, how did that go about when you did that one? So, all the issues are pretty much exactly the same uh, with how I handle things. Uh, I don't have the money or the resources to make copies of everything. Um, so, there's really only one physical copy of the raw uh, papers. And it's really just a bunch of papers just stacked on top of each other in a briefcase that I have, like, think from one of the kids' art things. Um, and they're kind of all over the house, but I want to get them, like, laminated and get them finished up and, like, just put in for my own, you know, needs or whatever, like, just, just to have. But well, what I did was I scanned, which for the, the Valentine's Day issue, it was... It was a slog to do. I scanned every single piece of paper. Some of them are front and back. Some of them are just one. I, I scanned every single one of them onto my laptop uh, and phone. Because at first, the two first issues, I did entirely from my phone. I didn't use my laptop at all. And other than that, I send things out to uh, Lulu Press because uh, I've self-published through them before. And I understand how the formatting works. I, I was able to figure everything out a little bit easier that way. But everything that I have is just the one copy of it. Wow, that's crazy. I've heard of Lulu Press too, right? Like, so for those who don't know, 
about all that stuff. Uh, can you walk us? How, so how does that? So you go to Lulu Press because they focus on margins and stuff like that too, right? And they have mm-hmm. a certain criteria of format you have to follow, and, it, and otherwise it'll get rejected. Like, can you walk me through that? Because I, I, I've always wondered what it was to self-publish, but I don't know a damn thing about that. So this is fascinating. So if I'm because, you know, I did have other questions, too. But then, like, you're talking about what you're talking about. Yo, I'm more intrigued with this right now. This is, like, this is, like, amazing. Like, what you're, I'm so intrigued by what you're saying. This is crazy. Yeah. So Lulu Press was the first publishing thing that I found uh, when I was, oh, my God, like, 1920 with my first ever uh, collection of poetry, which was Poems from a Schizophrenic Mind. Mm-hmm. And I also did my second book, which my friend Val actually did all the artwork for it. Uh, that was Love, Lust, and Misery. Um, but I published all that, which they're now unpublished because they're a little embarrassing for me. My, my, my writing changed a lot in the past couple of years. But that one, like, they were just projects for me, for me to do. And it was really easy because it's very cheap to do with Lulu Press. And they're not always the best for everything because every publishing thing has its own, you know, things of bullshit. But it's the one that's been the easiest, especially with the magazine, because you can do so many. They have different formats for each. Basically, you just go in, create a project, and just go through the criteria. They give you an ISBM. They tell you, hey, if this isn't fitting in the margins, they'll show you what it looks like before. And then you just go in your thing and crop whatever you need to, mush things down. It's been the easiest, at least for me, to figure out because I'm not very technical savvy with that mm-hmm. stuff. So it was it was a lot easier and much cheaper for me to do. Wow. Okay. Wow. I'm just trying to process everything you're saying because <laughs> I'm just like, holy shit. Is it, you know, it's because it gives me perspective, right? You're talking about like, especially if you're self-publishing stuff, whether it's a magazine and all this stuff. And I'm just like, wow, the amount of work you had to go through and put yourself through just to make this work because you care so much about the community to a point where you want it to be just right. That when people see it, it's like, yes, this is the hard work. This is what it was. So I'm just like, man, hyped right now. Cause I'm like, yo, that is, wow. Well, that's, That's why, like, with our open mic, one of the main problems, like, within poetry, which is not really a problem, it just depends on what mic you go to and if you have your own time constraints, uh, we call it poet time. Nobody shows up on time. The the hosts don't do anything on time. And sometimes it's fun because you can just sit there and talk for, like, two hours before the show actually starts, but that's, like, two hours after it says on the flyer it's supposed to start, which sometimes those shows are phenomenal because you just get to do whatever whatever the hell you want. Uh, but we make a huge point at our show to start directly on time. And okay. sometimes we go a little over the time, but the owners, Juan and um, Lauren, are never like, hey, get the fuck out. We end up just sitting there talking to them for 20, 30 minutes after everyone's left. Um, but speaking of community with that, uh, we actually have our open mic on the 21st. And this is a huge one for us mm. because it's obviously we have um, – incredible poets coming out we have steve zeminski of uh to keep customs who it's tentative yes because you know they have shit going on but hopefully and uh michael deman um from new jersey is coming out and they're both incredible poets but it's also our year anniversary and it's so close to halloween so we are actually uh me my partner and juan and lauren are hosting a halloween costume contest Wow. And, dude, when I tell you, 
so many people have messaged both me and Lauren and Juan asking to donate things for the prize bucket. We have a literal fuck ton of a list of people who are donating prizes. And it's it's absolutely insane. Like we have Barnes and Nobles with a twenty five dollar gift card. Um, Ron, you know, is is so excited about that. We've got the Nowhere Coffee is donating a gift card. Apport used books, the End Bookstore is doing a gift card and a prize book. Uh, Scott Ladowdy is doing an art print. Uh, I have the print here. Uh, Backroom okay. poetry with stickers and a chat book. We got like stick like everyone and so many people are donating art. Like um, Michael Hoff is donating art in a book. We got uh, Jacqueline's Tear Ducks, which is a local band that I became really good friends with, uh, my friend Tommy Stone. Uh, they're donating a patch from their band, uh, which I know they have shows coming out soon, so you guys should come see that too. No um, but like, it's like the whole community was just like, hey, let's just start throwing shit at your bucket of prizes because we're also donating you know, our homemade notebooks, bumper stickers, shit like that. And everyone's just like, let's just do this. And we're like, we will accept anything. Like this is a huge bucket of prizes. And it's, it's so amazing. We, we cannot wait for this because it's, it's so cool. Wow. That, damn, that's freaking cool. Yo, that, that is dope. That is dope. I love that. And it goes back to what I was saying before the whole trusting, the fact that they trust you enough, you built that relationship trust with them and look now they want to invest in your stuff so they can continue so your stuff continue growing because you were able to build an audience that they're so invested in what it is that you're doing and they believe in your product so that's important and um that that is awesome uh it's funny because i did have a question about scott Ladati because uh, you've mentioned him and i did have a question so i know you guys had um connected professionally in the past so i guess my question to you is um because we had them recently too and that's why i met yeah we yeah duh, we already know about the, the poetry gasm i had a whole poetry gasm, poetry gasm. <laughs> <laughs> so like what was that how was that um experience like with scott ladati and then my question also is like what um how how and what was it that you guys learned from each other from that experience scott ladati is because I have a list of poets who are, like, my top, like, I met Scott through Twitter, just, mm. like, you know, mutuals with Damien and Tom Bacalis and John Dorsey and, like, all these other people who are absolutely, like, my idols when it comes to poetry to begin with. And we just, like, started, like, interacting on Twitter. And, you know, I didn't think much of it because I was like, you know, this guy is, like, he's Scott Ladowdy. Like, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just happy to know him. And uh, with the New Jersey Poetry Renaissance, uh, they were on PBS, and I was actually able, like, I was on the the PBS uh, documentary, and and it was so I went to the release party, and I just remember seeing this absolute behemothly tall man with gorgeous fucking hair, and he's just like, hey you're going to come over here. And I'm just like, I guess I'm coming over there. And he wow. wrote, like he signed a book that I brought for him to sign for me. Cause I just like went through and bought everything that I could find of his. And he said in the book, uh, in his uh, thing to me uh, that he wanted to be like, like best friends. And he, we actually have a little, we're bracelet buddies. I gave him a, a little bracelet and he actually wears it, which is fucking odd to me. And wow. we got him actually out at our mic uh, once. And 
he brought Damien with him, and then there's just Damien Rucci and Scott Ladowdy on my couch, and I made a, it was a vegan sweet and sour pork with the uh, rice noodles, and I just made Scott Ladowdy dinner, and I'm just sitting there like, Scott Ladowdy's in my fucking house. He's yeah, my he's friend. Crazy, like, right? I was oh, just, I, I cannot believe I'm friends with him, because he is quite literally one of the most supportive people that you will ever meet in your entire life. He is as kind as you think he is after interviewing him, he is a literal sweetheart. I mean, we, we love the shit out of him and I would die for him. Honestly, if he asked me to, he is just wonderful. Wow. Wow. That, that is, that's is awesome. And I love what you said, it, that connectivity. And then, wow, that, that's cool. That is awesome. Scott is like, one. Yeah. No, no, and even when I when me and Angela interviewed him a couple of weeks back, um, it was it was phenomenal. I mean, yeah, you, you saw the interview, so it was oh, good. Yeah. But man, if you didn't, see, if you guys didn't see it, for those who are joining us, if you haven't seen that interview, you're gonna see I have the only poetry gasm of my life. Like they made a <laughs> thing and everything about it. Actually, hold on, I have it on my phone. Let me go because this was like the most epic thing on the planet i gotta make a shirt out of this like this absolutely oh uh hold on I have to, oh, oh here it is hold on so this is what so i just put this together like that but this is what the um dude this is how it all started from that um from just that one interview poetry gasm it's so cool so um oh my god this interview's been phenomenal. Oh my god! Like wow! And then you got to be a part of that documentary. Talk to me about that documentary. I'm curious now. Like I, when I went into you know going out to Damien's shows and stuff, I I never like I just loved hanging out with him and meeting all of these incredible people. I mean, if it if it wasn't for Damien, we wouldn't have an open mic. We wouldn't have a magazine. I never would have gotten out of my shell and changed my style of writing. And I mean, I, I, I wouldn't have gotten published through two key customs. It was just surreal. The amount of connections that I was making out there, because again, these people actually give a fuck about you when you go up on stage, they actually yeah. interact with you. And it's, it's, it's fucking unreal. And apparently for my first feature with uh cord Moreski, uh, first coffee and words out in Asbury park, um, I didn't know, like, I knew people were filming, but I thought it was just, like, you know, for, like, their own uses or whatever. I I never knew that they were filming for the documentary. Damien didn't tell fucking nobody. And they were just going out to shows and, and filming people and filming everything. And then I find out, oh, yeah, by the way, we're making a documentary coming out to the, uh, it was a Barron Art Center, I, I think it was. And we're going to do this thing. So I went in there. And we showed up a little bit late, but Damien still made sure that we, you know, got to go on at least once. And it, it was, it's a fucking, like, it, it was a wild ride, honestly. I, watching myself on screen on New Jersey PBS, which I'm not even from New Jersey. I'm from Allentown, Pennsylvania, mm, you okay. know, and it was, it was surreal. I, that is all I can really say is I, I was crying. I was sobbing. It was it was so crazy. 
And I still See, don't believe it really happened. Though. No, but that's an accomplishment, though. You got to meet pretty much what you said was your idol, and then you got to be a part of this movement. And uh, because I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York, but I live in Bayonne, New Jersey. And um, just like what you said about the whole Renaissance thing, like that is awesome. See, because like I said, unless I would have met you and a few other people, I would have never known that was a thing. So, uh, and that's so that's that's what I'm trying to do with my platform, just create a Renaissance everywhere, you know? Because I feel Absolutely. like what. Because why do celebrities be the only ones that have a platform to tell the stories? Like, okay, we got stories too. This is why I created this platform. That's why when I rebranded finally and called it Unraveled Influence, yes, because everybody has a story to tell. Everybody has a lot of influences that need to be unraveled to tell your story because your story comes from somewhere and it goes somewhere and inspires people to be somewhere. And it's just one of those things like, we need to talk about this. We need to have these conversations. So um, it's interesting too, because um, when I first rebranded, I was just by myself. I had another person with me and things didn't work out. And then, and you, you know how sometimes you follow people, but you didn't know you were following them? Yep. So that's what happened. So I didn't know I was following Angela. That's how I met Angela. I'm just like, and just post randomly at midnight, New Year's Eve came out and it says, um, no more shitty years, new year, new me. You know how everybody put the new year, new me thing? Yeah. But with her, it was a little different. It was something about her post. And I kept hearing this voice in my head saying, reach out to her. And I'm like, okay, Lord, like, um, I think she's probably going to think I'm a, I'm a creep or something. You know? <laughs> but I said, you know, I took a leap of faith and we had a little conversation. We had our first episode when I rebranded finally on, on the Unraveled Influence and she was the first episode. That conversation that we had, it was like maybe two hours long, if I'm not mistaken. And it was something about that that I said, I'm going to reach out to her see if she'll be interested. I said, you know, if she says no, it is what it is. It's a long shot but the fact she said yeah i'll do it because i always wanted to do something like that and i'm gonna say our first life together was actually with um arthur wilhelm he was releasing a cd um recorded poems and we did like this promotion we actually sold it out the first night we did the live that album release party and we actually sold out of it like right there on that hour and it was so amazing and then little things would happen after that we would meet other musicians we would meet uh other poets and stuff like that but it's the fact that the reason why we're i feel like we're growing now is because of the fact that we're allowing people to tell stories and like i don't care how uncomfortable the conversations are let's talk about it because at the end of the day everyone has a story to tell and now here we are September going on November um, to oh my god I'm about to skip months here <laughs> I no oh god I can't talk September going to October and um I, I know you know but I don't know if everybody else knows about it but on October twentieth um under the unraveled influence umbrella we are hosting our first open mic on the twentieth and that's in Bayonne New Jersey at Shorty's um the post is on the page you can see more about it there but um we have a good 10 people already coming and that's including yourself and i'm very excited for that by the way because that's going to be fun to have you in there and along with other poets so that's exciting um soon soon i'll, I'll announce like the lineup and stuff but um but just conversation with you like just even having this conversation it inspires me to keep on going right because I thought something like one or two people and that's it and whatever locals are there. But I said, you know what, I'm going to just take a leap of faith, see what happens. And it's just been like the, the amount of love 
that I've been getting from you and everybody else and new people that are coming in. I'm, I'm just honored and privileged. So when I hear your story, that's telling me, yeah, keep going, keep going. Like, like just keep pushing through. Even if you, like you said, you had five people, now you have a whole packed thing. Yep. And at the end of the day, it's all about the fact that you're getting the opportunity to be heard, but you're allowing people to be heard through what you're providing. So that is amazing. Like that, that's just, okay, that's music to my heart. That's music to my ears. So thank you so much for, um, yeah. So, uh, wow. Yeah, give me one second, because I'm like blushy right now, because it's <laughs> like, man, this is so like, and this is what it's all about, you know? We just want to tell, we just want our voices to be heard. Exactly. You know, we shouldn't have to be right. famous to our voice to be heard. And it's like, um, I love that. I love that. Um, so I do have another question. So it's a little um, different, but I'm going to try to ask, ask the best I can. So my question is, what draws the artistry or emotional experience into what the public would value as a worthwhile to attend and observe and to take away whatever it is, like in that open mic or just, you know, like just even this interview, let's say, for example, and everything that you do, your magazine, like, like, like in your opinion, how does that look like for you? I'm sorry, part of you cut out what? Oh, I'll, I'll repeat the question. So pretty much um, when it comes to poetry and what you're doing, mm -hmm. right, with the magazine, with the open mics, so what draws the artistry with the emotion, emotional experience into what the public would value worthwhile to attend and observe and what to take away with whatever it is, like, you know, like whether like a movie, like et cetera and stuff like that. So in your in your eyes, how does that look like for you since you've been doing this? Really all it ever came down to with us is we wanted to build a place, a space that was kind of like what Billy Mac had. You know, we wanted some place that was really safe for people to come out where they're not going to be, you know, harassed or deal with things that they don't want to deal with. And I think what it really all came down to was we wanted something to be proud of. We wanted something that the community could feel proud of. And I mean, we, we got some of the people here already in, in the, who's watching, you know, we got Magnus and Misty, uh, both of whom come out to almost every single show that we have. And honestly, I don't know how the hell I would even be able to do anything without Magnus because they run, like, I'll be standing up on stage and being like, oh, by the way, we have, uh, and my brain just short circuits and there's Magnus going, okay, this is the date. This is the, this, this is the, that. And it's like just going all the way down. And I would not be able to function at our show without Magnus because, oh. and they do that with every show too, like at Noble Quills, uh, over at Barnes and Nobles, they are, they run things down there. They help so much with everyone. And I think what really helped was, you know, they do so much for the community already on their own. And then them coming in and doing every, I see, I know you're making the faces too, Magnus. I I, I know yeah. you. Thank you, Magnus. You're the man. Magnus is absolutely one of the greatest people I have ever met in my entire life. And, you know, I've had, uh, like, Misty. Uh, I call Misty my adoptive poetry child because, mm. you know, they've gone through some shit, to say the least. And I know that at least in my home, there is a couch available for them to just sit down and not do a damn thing while I'm cleaning the kitchen or making them food if they want to eat. 
and that's the same vibe that we try to bring to the mic too and we had we had someone it was at the last show i think his name was joseph and he had never performed at an open mic before and he he just wrote and wrote he has notebooks filled in his book bag that he carries with him and he had people almost crying it was more like lyrical poetry and he was so nervous and so scared and we did everything we could to be like no like you're doing great we talked to him for what like 20 minutes after right. yeah each of us had our own conversation with him for like 20 minutes you know just being like no like you're doing great you know keep doing this and i i remember i got a message from him after being like you know thank you so much for what you're doing like i never would have or it's it's just wanting everyone to be safe and having some place where they can go up on stage and scream if they want to they can cry if they want to and they're not going to be judged either publicly or privately everything that happens in that room is a safe space if they don't want it you know because like with the filming if they don't want to be filmed no pictures no filmed we won't do that to you you know mm, okay. we okay. we want everyone to feel safe wow that wow i'm just wow oh, thank you so much for that because that is wow Woo, I'm I'm on cloud nine, so don't mind me with um with all this, because I'm just trying to absorb everything that you're saying, and it's so crazy because that's what I always wanted to. That's why when my wife said, "Babe, when when 2023 starts, I need you to start doing this again," because I almost just stopped doing it because I got a little discouraged. And again, mm-hmm. with my wife, and then I met Angela, and then he, again here we are now eight months. Oh yeah, almost. 10 months later and it's like it's 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 the whole and I, again it's like you're telling me your story you're telling me what you're saying and again it's i take this as this is a motivation to keep going like no this see if she can do it if they can do it and you guys are creating this um thing then you know what and that's that's the most important thing stuff like that should motivate other people to do the same you know for the right reasons because you know exactly. in life let's be honest you know people people chase clout and all this other bullshit and you can see right through the people and then there's the people that you can see right through that it's like no like you can tell that they're doing this because they legit want to do this and they really want to provide that so that that's so much respect for you um i'm gonna read some of the comments um uh, Mag of Many Names says, I'm still blushing crazy. Thank you for the praise and providing such a safe space. I agree. And then Hippie Tear says, if someone if someone were were to be judgmental, I think I'd be catching a lot of hands. <laughs> we don't promote violence at our shows, but they would be asked to leave if they were making a problem. And the owners are, like I said, they're like family to us at this point. So they would ask someone to leave and they would not be allowed back if they were going to continue acting like that yeah no amen because when me and angela was trying to book the thing at shorties so it's okay so in on facebook there's this community group called bayon talk so you have to be living in bayon or if you're part of that group mm-hmm. and my wife randomly this i think that's when the idea started right because my my brother-in-law joked around said oh i'm doing like, he, he always makes jokes at me like playing around he said oh yeah. i'm gonna do an open mic at shorties like you know unraveled it for i'm like i have funny i was like wait babe if there's an open mic just out of curiosity because i definitely want to start doing like even be a part of an open mic i've never done an in-person before so and then she was just asking, hey, is there an open mic in Bayonne? And we find out there's none in Bayonne. 
And then this light bulb came out and I was like, okay, let me talk to Angela. Angela, what do you think about this? And I, it seems like there's a high demand for art, poetry in Bayonne, and there's none there. So I like to say, yeah, we're like the first one to do that. And that's why I want to capitalize on that. And like I said, because of what you're saying and, and this conversation, it's like, yo, I think we could really create this Allen Ginsberg-ish renaissance <laughs> of 2020. Because I, that's one of my biggest inspirations, Allen Ginsberg, because that guy did shit. He didn't give a fuck. He did not care what everybody thought. He was countercultural. That whole beat gen- Because that beat generation was the bridge to the hippies ever too. So it's like there's so many things that happened. I'm like... My whole thing is, this is like a movement. So I love the fact that we're doing this and we're connecting like this. So this is absolutely. You guys are doing a great job. I mean, you guys are great. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's not easy. No, it's It's not not easy doing this. It is because like Angela takes care of. Okay, hey, who do we get next? And I'll do some things here and there. But as far as the flyers, the the videos, that's all me. I'm doing that all by myself. I mean, no offense, Angela, but, you know, <laughs> you, you know it, it is what it is. But, um, and then my wife does the booking coordinator, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. so she's my booking coordinator and she's the one that called the, 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 the bar said, hey, can we set up an appointment? And we had this conversation. And even the bartenders were like, hey, like the owners, they were like, you know, we, we, this is something good because they do karaoke, but they never had one of those before. So to, for the first time, time doing it it's just like this again this is great like i i love this conversation we having oh my god this is so amazing so we are almost towards the end ladies and gentlemen um i always ask this question to everybody and there's no wrong or right answer so after we pass on we're not here anymore what impact legacy and what is it that you hope to leave behind that when you're not here, they hear your name, schizo trash poet, they hear Florence Susan, what is the one thing or the few things that you want them to remember you by? Uh, I think for me, I'm not really concerned about being remembered, um, but more, more of what I'm trying to do is, you know, God forbid I die, because eventually it's going to happen, whether Magnus and Misty want it to or not. Um, I think for me personally, it's not so much a legacy for just the community. It's more for my kids. I want, you know, them one day to find, if they don't already know about it, you know, God forbid I die young or something, you know, and they find my old book of poetry and they find all my notebooks and they find you know, the copies of the printed magazine that I have, and they have something that I made with my hands. I'm not very handy with, like, actual building, so I can't make them a treehouse or a trinket. I, I I only work with paper, you know. That's that's my that's my thing. So I feel like for them to have a piece of me, whether it's my poetry, whether it's you know, just everything else with everyone else's poetry, you know, just having something that I created in their hands, you know, that's, that's more what I, what I care about is, you know, God forbid I die. My kids know that it is possible to leave some kind of impact and hopefully a positive one, you know, in the world. And I hope that they 
I would love for them to take up writing. You know, if they don't, that's fine too. I'll support whatever they want. You know, but I want them to to know that I did something with my life. And I wasn't wow. just their stay-at-home mom cooking the mac and cheese every day. <laughs> no, and I, and I love that. Um, I, I feel the same way. Um, I just care, like, you know, when I die, my son could see this is what I've done. This is what I cared about. And that, you know, whether he follows my footsteps or not, doesn't matter. But that he could say, yeah, this is what my father used to do. Yeah. The people he impacted. This is the people he connected with. And it's interesting, right? Because, you know, in a lot of my past lives, I've said that, you know, growing up, even to this day, um, even though I had a father, but I never had the father figure, that one yeah. that could sit down with me and talk to me about life. My father came from a time where topics were not really talked about, where I came from a time where they were bringing awareness, but in Hispanic culture, we weren't allowed to talk about it because it didn't exist to them, if that made sense. Yeah. And, you know, when I, this is uh, years ago, actually, I was praying to God, saying, Lord, I just want to know who my father was, even though he's not around anymore. And one day I was decluttering. So this is why I felt this is an answer prayer, because I was decluttering with my mom, because she's moving to a temporary apartment so they could renovate. And my mom said, hey, these were your father's. You can have them. So he, because I know my father wrote poetry. So he's the reason I started writing because he used to write. So I just wanted to pick up a pen just to have something to do. But it became this thing for me. But it's interesting that my mom said, yeah, you can have that. This Because he used to play a lot of um, baseball too. So I had his articles, old videos that he used to do. And, um, but mostly poetry. And even though it's in Spanish, little by little, I've been translating them into English. And That's um, amazing. I learned so much more about my father and about myself through him through my son and through my wife that i'm just like oh shit like and i realized damn we're not that different the only difference is i could be open about it he wasn't able to be open about it everything was kept private diaries yeah. everything my mom didn't know my mom's like, oh yeah you can have that i know you like poetry so i know you appreciate it and i read some of his pieces and i'm just like wow like and I didn't realize how much hurt my father had in him. And I said, and I told Angela one time, you know, the barrier between us is always language because he, um, he spoke Spanish and I spoke English. So he spoke a little English, but it didn't really translate well. But Angela said, well, yeah, I spoke one same language and that was poetry. And now you get to see that. And to me, I want my son to have that same thing that even after that he'll see that wow my father had a whole life for him but the fact that i get to learn but now i actually get to show him as he grows up and we could connect more because he's only four so he has a yeah. whole life ahead of him and that's what i'm most proud of and now i have a gift that i can give to him because yeah he 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 was born a, a year after my father passed away and um he like the, that now i can share stories about my father i can share stories about me we can have this bond and, and it's just all all this is just full circle for me so yeah. i love the fact that i could read my father's poetry and it's like at the end of the day my father's the reason i do all this because it, it came from an inspiration it came from just oh i want to do what he's doing just because i was sheltered yeah. growing up so I, I didn't really have much of a social life yeah. and it was just like i look back now like wow i'm glad all i did was pick up a pen and now here we are having this conversation about life and, and what poetry means to us and why it's important to have our voices be heard. So this was, uh, whew, and then this 
conversation we've been having, it's just been like, oh my God. So thank you for saying yes. And thank you for having this conversation with me because it just inspires me and it motivates me to do this more. And, um, you know, um, I, I can't talk too soon about it yet, but I do have plans for 2024 that's going to make this a lot bigger for all of us. So, um, again, I can't talk too You know, I don't want to count the eggs as they hatch kind of thing. Yeah. But, um, Sounds like we had more of a convogasm than anything today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Florence, thank you so much for just having this conversation with me. Absolutely. Going live with me. Um, I know. I mean, we don't know each other from a hole in the wall, but <laughs> I would love to continue keeping in touch and collaborate somehow and just do more stuff like this because this is amazing this has you know voices need to be heard um voice of the voiceless right so, absolutely um, thank you thank you so much um i guess before we go um any final thoughts any final words um tell us what's going on for those who don't know what do you got going on what do we what can we hope for and you know and whatnot so Again, you know, not, not, you know, the eggs thing with the hatching. I, I couldn't fully grasp that, but, like, I, I kind of got that. Um, we do have a lot more things that we're doing with the magazine and a lot more things that we're doing with the mic. Uh, one of the bigger things that we're doing is we're actually going to start live viewing uh, the mic because we're already doing the filming for TikTok and Instagram Reels, you know, getting people's voices, like, really out there, just not in the mic but out there. Mm. Um so we're actually going to be live, uh, live viewing because uh, someone from, I guess, part of the community had brought it to our attention that while our open mic is an incredibly safe place to be, it's not safe for people who are immunocompromised. Mm. So to kind of mm. bridge that gap, we are going to be live viewing and hopefully eventually making it collaborative where there's an open mic section for the live view. Uh, we're just still trying to figure out technicalities of that. Um, I'm going to be doing a, a reading, I think, for Eddie Brophy. He is publishing a book, a new book, which is going to be, I've already read it, it's fucking phenomenal, uh, through uh, Beyondville Press, and his release party, so I'm going to be doing that, which, so proud of him, he's doing incredible things. Um, and, yeah, I mean, with the Halloween costume contest... And I'm sure if Magnus was here, they'd be reminding me of 800 other things that I am most likely forgetting. <laughs> but realistically, it's just, you know, we have the December issue coming. Uh, that's going to be a mental health issue. I'm just going to mm. keep writing and reading my crappy poetry to anyone who will listen. And that's all we got. I mean, that's, I mean, oh, and uh, Nowhere Coffee Co. does um, every fifth Friday of the month, they do uh, an open mic. And the next one is, I believe it's in, the, is in December. Thank you, Magnus. <laughs> Um, and it's, uh, I do the best impression of myself. That's the theme. And yes, the magazine, uh, for the fifth issue, which is, um, oh my God, what's our issue theme? A uh, home nostalgia. Oh my God. I am blanking, dude. I know. I'm just waiting for Magnus to keep pushing things in the chat because, like I said, I'm probably yes. Thank you, Magnus. Yes, thank you. Um, what, what would uh, I do without Magnus? Honestly. Yeah. Thank you, Magnus. <laughs> we appreciate you. You know what's funny? I I forgot to do one thing. I forgot to ask you to read at least one piece. Um, I have something here. Okay, and then we'll end it that Shit. way. Then I'm like, wow. Yeah. Like, I got so caught in the conversation. I was like, oh man, this is so intriguing. I'm like, oh my god. 
gotta read a piece of these before we go. <laughs> okay. So I'm gonna read uh, one that's actually gonna be the title of my next chat book that comes out. Um, just as a disclaimer, obviously a trigger warning, everything I write has a trigger warning. Um, this one, I've lost too many people in my life. I've been to, oh my God, like 20 something funerals and I'm only 26. I've, I've lost my best friend recently. Um, so oh. this is called, but it falls on dead ears. Mm. Oy. I want to tell you that living without you feels like a shot of liquid glass racing down my throat. Tearing through the muscle memory of every I love you I've ever whispered into the dark and every I still love you that will fall straight from my lips to the pavement for the rest of my life. I want to tell you that rolling over to an empty space in my arms that you will never again fill is harder than waking up and choking on the wrong side of the bullet I've been window shopping for ever since you left. I want to tell you that I would tear apart my own chest, cracking my rib cage with the fractured screams of your mother and shove this anatomically correct Valentine's Day cash grab into your body just so you could live for one more second, one more breath. I want to tell you that I got better, that I stopped missing you, that your brother and I traversed the silence of the world without your voice guiding us through obligatory conversations, but we both stopped calling. In the end, I want to bury myself and tell you more lies, but headstones and urns don't have ears and I'm tired of screaming in graveyards wow wow thank you wow I also uh, love for a second that my partner just joined when he's quite literally sitting on the couch next to me <laughs> <laughs> oh my god no I wow I'll tell you what, that hit me hard because I've lost friends too, actually. And some of them unintentional um, suicide yeah. and then some of them, they were killed. And it's like, I, I, I everything you said resonates with me in that way because some of them I unfortunately saw right before my eye. And it was just like, I didn't know how to fucking react to shit. And it's like, yeah. what I couldn't put into words, that's, wow. Yeah, this one was more inspired by uh, my ex-girlfriend uh, who killed herself when I was mm. around 14, 15. And oh. more recently, my best friend since uh, preschool, like my mom taught him in preschool. And um, he was murdered uh, a few years ago. And I just had to write a victim statement to the judge uh, about who he was to me. And I... It, I mean, when he, when I found out that he died, I, I was, I didn't get out of my bed for a very long time. I, I couldn't breathe. He was that close to me my entire life. And uh, I, I miss him a lot. Dylan was, I mean, he's been there literally since day one, since after I got adopted, you know, been through, through everything with me. So that one was really inspired by him because, you know, I'm older than he is and ever will be. And my kids will one day be older than he ever will be. And that really hurt me in a way that I never thought that it would. So that one was wow. really. Wow. I'm like shaking. So much respect for you. Well, but I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Um, wow. So much respect 
for you for that because i know exactly everything you just i know exactly what you're talking about that's why i was like shit like damn wow wow so first of all i just want to say thank you for trusting me and and trusting us you know for you to tell your story and to share that with us because that that is that's that's real um it's not i feel like it's not talked about enough in life and it's um wow uh uh, wow. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> wow is the word of the night. <laughs> wow. But it, it was definitely needed situation if that makes sense. Yeah. Um in yeah. that sense where it, it was like wow, you know, because it's true, like it, not every not life is not always sunshine and rainbows, right? We all have some dark moments and sometimes we either overcome it or we don't and we just can't take it anymore um and i relate to that in a bigger sense to the fact that you know in 2013 i actually almost took my life myself too mm-hmm. actually and all it took was one phone call and one text for me to just like okay and it's funny because my i've known my wife for 15 plus years so we was friends for a while and then we dated and um her text message saying hey what are you doing tonight that's all it took for me to be like all right whatever let me get off the roof and let me just <laughs> hang out with her and it's like had i not do that i don't know like but it's crazy that you know that's why i hate when people say oh well that's that's a bitch ass move no it's not a bitch ass move because you know what you don't know what that person's fucking going through for them to want to do that people just don't know sometimes and you can say yeah have hope have this have faith but i gotta see how that shit looks like I need to understand, like, you need to show me love, not just yeah. tell me you love me type situation. And it's like, I just think it, fuck, it sucks that people say, sh- like, very insensitive shit like that. I'm like, nah, I take that very seriously. And it's one of those things that that struggle is fucking real. And then... Yeah, because I've attempted a couple of times um, over my life. You know, I, I didn't have an easy childhood. I've had an even much harder adult life. Um yeah. But I think what it really was for me was when my girlfriend killed herself and the amount of comments that I got personally uh, for having been with her when she died and being there literally the moment that she that she died. It it, it I have a lot of thoughts on suicide. And one of them is that it is not a weak act. It is literally the bravest thing you can do to choose to end your life. And And personally, for me, I believe if there is a point where you are getting and you there there's no control as a person to keep pushing through when all you're getting is shit and yeah maybe one day things will get better and i've having been on both sides of a suicide attempt and suicide success you know i i have a lot of thoughts on it and one of it being that Ultimately, it is someone's choice, and I don't think anyone should ever be shamed for having had an attempt or having had succeeded, and yeah, it does impact people horribly. You know, everyone feels the impact of a suicide, and there's a lot of anger involved in it on all sides, and it's all justified, and it's all valid, but at the end of the day, that person couldn't go on. They didn't see any hope and forcing them to do so when there is no guarantee that they can see right at that moment is more cruel than anything 
I, I wouldn't wish it on anyone. And one, I wouldn't wish anyone to have to go through that, you know, and obviously we're all anytime, you know, like I'm always here, I'm always here for you. And that still remains true. If there is any way to save someone, absolutely. But some people ultimately don't want to be saved or can't be saved. And at the end of the day, it is their right to choose. It is their life. And that's how I've always viewed it because I've been on both sides. And yeah, my light got a little lighter as I grew older. And I'm very grateful for the life I have and the kids and my community and my partner. But, you know, there are a lot of days sometimes when I wake up and really just wish that I hadn't. You know, and I don't see that part of myself ending anytime soon. You know, so it's right. it's cruel sometimes on both wow. sides. Wow. So much respect for you, though, for sure, um, to just share all that with me and this, just having this great conversation, because that's really what it is. Um, and I love what you said, because like I said, it's, it's I feel like it's the blunt truth, what mm -hmm. you said. Um, and it's one of those things that, again, it's not talked about enough where we can just have that uncomfortable conversation. And um, again, so much respect for you for that. Thank you so much for just, um, wow. So um, again, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for this conversation. Can you do this? No, absolutely. And like I always tell everybody, um, you know, like I, I, I take these things very seriously to the point that, you know, like, I don't invite just anybody on here because you know sometimes people just want to just to have like I said like they want to just chase clown maybe whatever but like you know when you feel a vibe off a person you know okay they legit just want to share the story and this is like a genuine conversation you just know you know and I really appreciate that again just you saying yes to me and and just us you know just trusting us with this conversation so thank you so much absolutely it like um, I've really said before it's that. an honor it's an honor to be here it's an honor to have you. So thank you so much. Um, so like I said, we're already now towards the end. I wish I didn't have to end this live because we could go off for hours. But I, I got to be up at four in the morning, um, Eastern Tender time, that is. Feel that. But um, Florence, thank you so much. Um, thank you so much for this. Um, guys, thank you so much for the support and love that you've shown for Florence and myself and just us having this conversation um i just don't have any more other, i don't have any other words <laughs> to say but just say thank you and um yeah so um the live will be up in a few um i will upload this episode on the podcast i'll i'll share i'll share the story and stuff like that um yeah and um that's what it is um we will be uh well my the platform i guess if that makes sense uh will be live tomorrow you know, we're going to have two lives, one at seven and one at nine. Um, I'll have the details on there as well. Um, again, Florence, thank you so much. Everyone, thank you for joining us. And we will see you when we see you. So, um, and Florence, um, we'll talk more privately. Um, enjoy the rest of your night, guys. Thank you. Bye, guys. Thank you so much. Mwah. All right.